0: Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Hai Chen Bui, I'm a writer for Slash Film, and I'm joined by... I am Anya
1: Crinton, a writer at GateStar News.
2: And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the DC area. So today is kind of like the end of the TCAs. I feel like they're over, which for those of you who may not know, it's where basically for the, uh, it's the Television Critics Association, and all these tv ri- critics and writers go to the TCA's and basically showrunners from the upcoming fall shows talk about their tv and their executive producers and like the heads of networks go there and basically be like this is this is what we got for you. It's kind of like oddly like a weird comic con for dr- tv writers where it's panels on panels on panels on panels. And like by day there'll be like the CW panel, and then there's like the nbc panel and the cbs panel and they introduce their new shows and usually they release like trailers for their new shows that are like or sizzle reels and so tv's coming back this fall obviously so we decided to talk about peak tv this umbrella top topic uh name for this quote-unquote golden age of television we're living in in which there's like over like i want to say 400 scripted shows like Airing on television in the year of 2017,
0: and not just on television, but on uh, streaming networks as well.
2: Yes, so you got your Netflixes, your Hulu's, your Amazons, um, and your Yahoo screens. But <laughs> <don't think> <laughs> Yahoo
0: screens. Yahoo died. screens died. Yeah, R.I.P. Uh, community
2: R. bankrupted that.
0: Oh, Oops. Uh, that's kind of sweet, actually, because our first episode was about the community revival on Yahoo Screen. Oh, yeah. For Millennial Falcon. That's true. We're back full circle.
2: So, uh, yeah, and that went over. Although you can watch the sixth season on Hulu now. They brought it over. Mm. But, so we're here to talk to you about television. And basically the current conversations being had about peak TV and uh, a term that Anya hates, but prestige dramas Mm. in which uh, basically like one hour TV shows that get the Emmys. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Um, or that are vying for the Emmys and thus the Emmys. Uh, try to emulate the, sh- the series that actually do get Emmys and yes. in the ways that aren't particularly they're kind of service interpretations of these of these uh prestige television shows
2: so let me uh let me go back in time there for a second and uh we'll talk about a little little history of how we got to where we are so in 1999 HBO debuted the sopranos which became like a mega hit one of it's considered one of the greatest television shows of all time i'm currently watching it for the first time i'm halfway through season one i like it so far not bad you know um and uh after the sopranos ended matthew weiner who was a writer on the sopranos uh basically took his uh uh pilot script for Mad Men, which he wrote back in 1999 and uh, pitched it to amc and amc was like yeah let's do it And so in 2007, uh, a year after The Sopranos ended, uh, Mad Men aired. And for seven seasons, which they split up the the seventh season into two years, um, ran until 2014. And after Mad Men premiered, a year later, Breaking Bad premiered. And so these two juggernaut shows uh, of critical acclaim kind of jump started this I don't know PTV thing we got going on where just so many networks decided to do more original content, more quote unquote prestige drama. We'll get into what that means real real soon. But everyone tried to emulate Mad Men and Breaking Bad uh and having like anti-heroes as their protagonists.
0: Damaged white men.
2: Yes. <laughs> and AMC has done that time and time again.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh and then more sh- and then around 2013, uh, Netflix just dropped House of Cards for the first time.
0: Wow, is that recent?
2: Yeah, it was 23- uh, 20- yeah, 2013 was the first season, um, and so basically that opened the floodgates for streaming dramas mm-hmm. and comedies and whatnot, and uh, it's gotten to so many shows that the Emmys expanded their best best TV show. I was going to say best picture, but their best drama and best comedy categories to, I think, seven categories per per category instead of five. Wow. So they're they're really they're like we have to keep up with like the amount of content, which is what well, which is what peak TV really comes from is like we are at peak television mm-hmm. in which there's we, we we have the most amount of television ever. At this current moment,
0: and a lot of it is good television. Yeah, like we say peak TV in this sort of fatigued way, and I do feel a little fatigued from it too because there's just so many shows out there that it feels like a, sh- a chore to have to keep up with some of them in order to like be in the zeitgeist. Uh, Willoughby is amazing that he actually is able to do this, but yes. I haven't even watched Glow yet, and I know it's. I haven't having- either.
2: Yeah. Oh, I've, I've I've kind of fallen behind, mm-hmm. um, but it it helps that I have like a nine to five job <laughs> and that I don't have any like. I don't have to, I can't, I actually can't, because of my job, I can't do any work Mm -hmm. after, like, at home. So, like, I have time, so I just watch TV. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I've been, like, catching up on, like, prestige dramas, (laughs) like The Sopranos and stuff.
0: Yeah, so um, going back to what Willoughby said about, like, what defines TV and what defines prestige TV, uh, I think it really comes to the advent of serialized storytelling on Mm -hmm. television and that was something we saw a little bit in the 90s with the x-files with the x-files with buffy the vampire slayer with a lot of genre shows but they still like relied mainly on episodic format in which you know viewers could tune in from week to week and not really have to catch up with the previous content like your
2: laws and orders Mm -hmm,
0: exactly um procedurals and the like Mm -hmm. but now procedurals while still popular have come kind of fallen by the wayside to these serialized television shows that uh to quote of many uh showrunner air like um 10 hour movies so they have a beginning middle and end and the plot is very uh driven and forward and propulsive um breaking bad i think is still one of the best um versions of this
2: i would say mad men too
0: i haven't seen mad men all the way through but i would probably agree with you
2: i when i read when i did my mad men rewatch earlier in the year um I realized that each episode has its own beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. And while furthering the ever, like, dramatic plot of Don Draper, like, concealing his identity and his family's and his affairs mm-hmm. and, like, all that. And, like, the like goings-on of the ad, ad agency. Mm-hmm. where But you can have... Spec- like, I, Mad Men's one of the only shows in peak TV that I can go back and watch, like, a specific episode mm-hmm. and like rewatch it.
0: So this is a really exciting time for television lovers because television is very story driven, and uh, thus the writers have a lot more power than the directors. You might say that you see in in movies, um, and uh, a lot of the best storytelling we're seeing on TV now, which is why a lot of Hollywood actors are flocking to TV. We saw that with True Detective with Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson, and the Fargos, and which
2: burned way too bright too soon.
0: Yes, but
2: we might be getting a True
0: Detective season three. With,
2: Mahersha Ali.
0: Yes. Um, So it is a it is an exciting time. But even though it the peak TV prestige era lasted only started so recently. I'm actually I was surprised. Yeah, I was surprised when you said like 2013 was House of Cards. I felt like that was almost like the kind of the beginning of of
2: um. It was like a like a second.
0: Second wave yeah. of prestige TV, like kind of a more mainstream thing, where bingeable content became like a very main part of it.
2: That they introduced the binge model. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was episodic television, like Breaking Bad and Mad Men. Yeah, exactly. Or not episodic. Yeah, episodic. Yeah. Um, and then, and then it became not only episodic, but like the ten-hour movie. Like like we we referenced, really came to a full yeah ahead.
0: I feel like once Netflix introduced the binging model, it became more of just like a big mainstream conversation versus just a small little bubble of critics or t- uh, television lovers who like were talking about this kind of stuff. So, but even though that was really recent, I've heard there's been some talk about maybe this we're starting to see the end of the peak TV era and like well not the end of peak TV, but and end of, of the golden age yeah. of prestige TV
2: where instead of instead of westerns being every year, mm-hmm. they are now like every couple of years, and they're like Oscar bait. Yeah. So like, we are now probably entering a, a world where we have a lot of good shows, mm-hmm. but not a super amount of super great shows.
0: So Anya, I wanted to mm. ask you about your thoughts on uh, prestige TV and the the how that term is kind of bandied about, especially recently with um, some a lot of these shows suddenly becoming canceled because we had so many that were just not getting canceled because of Netflix picking things up. But now... Well,
2: what happens when Netflix cancels yeah, shows? Yeah, Netflix is starting <laughs> to cancel <get laughs> now. We're
0: starting to see the acts for a lot of shows. So that is also, like, a, a troubling sign of the end of the times.
1: So, Anya, please. Um, well, I'll just start by saying I hate the term prestige TV. Mm-hmm. I think it's absurd. Um, I don't know why we can't just say, man, this show is good, or this show is not as good. Here's why the end like instead we have to bandy about this term that has a lot of connotations with it like for me the term auteur where it shuts out women people of color the queer community it's pretty much primarily for white men um, or in some cases also white gay men um, because there is a hierarchy within the queer community as well in terms of diversity and access and so I'm just bothered by that because of kind of what it means and like what gets to be prestige TV. I think we're seeing some really unique shows kind of get past that hurdle. Like we have the hand, we have Handmaid's Tale and we have like American Gods, which have kind of been able to um, join in with the ranks of the white men shows. Um, But yeah, you had this past season or recently you had shows like Sense8 Get Canceled, The Get Down, Underground, Sweet Vicious, Pitch, American Crime, and all these shows are not primarily about white men, and they all got canceled.
2: Yeah, that's unfortunate. Like it that that's like the ones that got canceled.
1: Well, it's not unfortunate. It's a deliberate trend yeah. of diversity being shut down in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's a problem because. I mean, and you see it in movies, too. We see it in, you know, all the time. Um, And yet, like, why? Why is this? And it's because you have shows like Game of Thrones or The Walking Dead or other prestige shows that are, you know, run by white men that aren't actually as good as a lot of these shows that are getting canceled. And I think it's a problem. So, yeah. That's kind of how I feel about Prestige TV. I think it's a bit ridiculous. And I think it's also a way of gatekeeping,
0: Mm.
1: almost, in a way. Um, And I've gotten to a point where I'm just, like, over it. And, like, if people are like, man, this show, this Prestige TV show, like, you should really watch it. If it doesn't interest me, I'm not going to watch it. Like, I've gotten to that point now where the zeitgeist doesn't matter. Because... Like, I'd rather watch what I wanna watch. Like whew, alright, I'm gonna say this. I have zero interest in ever watching Mad Men. That's ever. Okay. And it's like it's I know that like a lot of the female characters are great, Elizabeth Moth is great. I love John Hamm. Preferably oh. in comedies, to be honest. He's great in like, comedies. I'd rather watch him in comedies all day than in dramas. Um, but like I just look at that show and I'm like, man. Oh, it just does not pique my interest at all, and I'd much rather just watch something that people might say is less prestigious, but is way more enjoyable to me. That's fine.
0: That was kind of the response I had to Mad Men too. Although I'm still willing to give it a chance, but when I was watching the first season of Mad Men, which is the only season I've watched, I was so much more interested in um, Peggy's story, Elizabeth Moss's story, mm-hmm. and I was like, it, the arc, her arc was really done well. Um, but I was—I had, like, zero interest in Don Draper and his troubled, damaged man storyline than, like... And, like, everything else that was going on in the show. And also, like, the attention to detail to the period setting, while I'm sure everyone else is really fascinated by that, was just like, I think it's fine. I don't understand why people really idolize it for that reason. But... I did
2: not really care for the attention to detail in the settings. Mm-hmm. I was more focused on the characters. Right. I really liked... I mean, Peggy has a great arc for the rest of the series. Mm -hmm. Like, I would like if you're in it for Peggy, I would definitely keep watching. But if you're not in it for John Ham as Don Draper, uh, (laughs) then it's not for you.
0: Yeah, that's that's why I've I've been debating about like going back to see it because I really like Peggy and just like she's so good. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like I don't doubt that Mad Men is like a genuinely terrific show. Mm -hmm. Like, I absolutely believe that it is, but you know, it just doesn't, like, and I'm sure it deserves the adulations that it gets and everything, unlike something like Game of Thrones. Um, It's much better than Game of Thrones. Yeah, and I I believe it, and, like, you know, there are certain shows that are, like, quote-unquote more prestigy that I do like, like I said, like The Handmaid's Tale or The Americans, but, like, they just interest me in general, and, like, but I can also watch something, like, I talked about the tnt show will which is like not prestigey, but i can also enjoy that and it's just like i kind of just want to like i feel like there's just this culture right now around tv and prestige tv and think pieces and critics even though i am one like that is just sort of like forming blockades in TV and enjoyment and watching things, and the yeah. Emmys certainly do not help in any way. With and we this. could we should
2: talk about the Emmys because they are very much a politicized campaign of awards.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, they're the Oscars of TV,
2: and the, they're the Oscars of TV. So a lot of like a lot of people's favorite shows don't get in Emmys, and there's a couple that can break out. And Like, I really liked Master of None, and I'm really glad that it won an Emmy. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait for Atlanta to also get, like, I know it got an Emmy nomination, and mm-hmm. it'll, it might get the Emmy for Best Comedy. Um, but it's few and far between of, like, people of color and non-white men shows. But you look at something out, like into Atlanta areas.
1: getting a nomination next to something like Modern Family, which is still getting a nomination for whatever reason, and so something like Insecure. Mm. Especially in the era of peak
0: TV, as we have now, where there are just so many shows that are good or great and are deserving of awards recognition, the Emmy system is so behind the times. They really should, like, I really think that they should institute a system in which they only, in, a, in which a show is only allowed one award for, like, a one year. You and mean, then, like... Um, so, like,
2: like one so, of them gets a best, best TV, a best yeah. drama?
0: So, like, Modern Family can't get nominated year after year after year. Mm-hmm. They only get one year. So then you can celebrate either, like, their best season yet... And go on to to celebrate other shows that don't get another chance because like the crowd, the field is so crowded. Yeah. So I definitely think that like that would be really beneficial to just recognizing all these other great shows that are out there and, and like, peak TV. And
2: the the Emmys have have like a lot of uh, like to go back to like what prestige TV means. It usually means the shows that either get nominated for all the Emmys or win all the Emmys. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're mostly predominantly all about damaged white men mm-hmm. um, who live anti-heroic lives. And uh, that goes back to The Sopranos. That's with The Shield. Uh, not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but The Shield on FX. Yeah.
0: The Wire was the one the that Wire. actually broke that mold.
2: Yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of people have seen The Wire that I yeah. know.
0: Actually, I don't think it got many awards either. I don't think
2: it did either. Yeah, That's, that's the other thing, is that it was it was just... It was regard. it's regarded as one of the best television shows ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people talk about their best shows, unless they're like a professional critic, a lot of them don't mention The Wire, um, which is sad. I gotta, get, I gotta go watch The Wire. <laughs> I
0: need to watch it too. I'm sorry. Oh, um, this is to number one The Wire stand, Mike. I will watch it at some point. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> After I've done with The Sopranos. I'm just yeah. gonna go through HBO. Uh, and then, so, yeah, so prestige drama is like i'm using it with air quotes you can't see it because this is an audio form but i think it's just i think it's also a way that a lot of people try to like when they talk about like mad men breaking bad a lot of amc and hbo and netflix shows they try to like group it into it and prestige drama is probably not the best term it's
1: not a good term Mm -hmm. uh i have a question for you willoughby yes are you watching the sopranos because you have a genuine interest in it or because it's just something that you feel like you should see as part of the cultural landscape of television
2: honestly more
1: more of the second but see and that's something that i don't get it's weird i will do that for movies i will like watch a movie that like i might not have as much interest in but because people are like ah, but like it's shaped film history but that's also because i prefer movies to television in general yeah and also, movies are way less of a time commitment in my life. But it's like I don't want to. Wa- I want to watch like The Wire. I have a genuine interest in that show. I have no interest in The Sopranos. So like, why would I spend hours of my life watching a show that doesn't interest me? I
2: mean, it interests, like, it, it interests me. I'm because I'm fascinated with it more as as a historical artifact. Because watch it, the
1: Godfather trilogy. I have. I just keep I've, watching I've... that. <laughs> <laughs> so okay so
2: my fascination with the sopranos is i want to see where where this current era of television came from and the sopranos is what so I'm, it
1: is it's it's about television culture not the show itself individually as a piece of media y- yes and no both
2: it's both like it's yeah i'm it's more about the historical precedent that it's set but also i want to watch it because i've heard from people who are not critics who are just very very like uh good fans of the show have told me to watch it so it's a f- combination of both where people are like oh you should watch it but also i've you know in the the, the book tv the book by alan Sepinwall and matt Zelda sites they list it as their like number two of like 100 best tv shows so i it's it's a it's a obvious it's a Nuanced complication of both. I, it's not just for oh I, I want to watch for the historical, but also I'm gen I am interested in it, but mm-hmm. more more so for the historical aspect of it's. I want to know why it I I want to know why it's considered one of the best television shows of all time. It's why I want to watch Citizen Kane. Like it's why I want. It's basically like your version of why you should watch why you watch movies. So I, I'm fascinated by why it's regarded so well. Like I want to. I'm curious about it. I want to know, is Tony Soprano one of the greatest TV characters of all time? I don't know. I have to make a judgment about it, so I'm going through it. And I, it's 90 hours, but it's, from what I've heard, it's 90 of the best. It's best of 90. It's 90 hours of the best television show of all
0: time. I think Willoughby's yeah. reasoning for going into like television history and having to building like this foundation for it is um, sort of like, yeah, like Anya, you were saying, the equivalent of, You know, going back to see important films that shape cinema history, that shape television history. Yeah. I think that, like, is part of the rise of television as just, like, a medium of important
1: uh, storytelling and culture unto itself. Um, Yeah, and that's why I have no problem. Like, I'm not trying to, like, drag you or anything, mm -hmm. Willoughby. I, like, totally respect it. It's just something I want to understand because I don't feel that way about television, Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel that way about cinema. Yeah. So, like, I totally get it. So, like, I'm not, like, dragging you or anything. I totally get it. Um, but it's, like, I think that's why, to me, like, this prestige TV and peak TV is not as compelling to me. Because it, I find it doesn't do as much for me. It's, you know, I, going back to, like, I guess my love of movies, That's why I like limited series so much when it comes to television. It's why I want television to cut down season episode counts. I think 22, 23 episodes a season is way too much.
0: There are also kind of it,
1: the procedural more like serial like episodic storytelling too. The 22 episode counts. Like Yeah, well, and I think it makes shows suffer. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think it makes writing suffer. I think it makes narrative suffer and I think that's And that is kind of a point in favor of Prestige TV, I guess, because most of the bingeable shows or the shows on like HBO, AMC, FX are shorter episode counts. Yeah, usually. As opposed to the networks.
2: They've been doing, uh, AMC usually does 13 or 12. HBO used to do, from what I'm gathering with The Sopranos, used to do 13 episodes. But they've cut down to usually 10 in total. um, And that includes comedy. Like they'll do. 10 episodes of a half hour. So it was really just five hours of television. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Netflix has been, for a long time, it was 13 episodes. And then I, I don't remember which television show broke that
0: mold, but... I think it was Stranger Things. It might, mm, uh, it might have been. Because I remember Stranger Things... I felt like they did ten. They did eight episodes. They did eight. Yeah, and that's why I loved it so much because it was such a tight, compelling story. Yeah, and it didn't suffer from the Netflix binge model of starting really slow and none of the action picking up till like halfway through. And
2: that's the thing with Netflix shows, in specific, like specifically with Netflix shows, their binge model. I could not tell you what happens in a single goddamn episode of House of Cards, but I can tell you the overall plot of Mm -hmm. House of Cards, and I think that is not always great it goes back to the 10-hour movie thing yeah like their episode five of any given netflix show could not tell you what happens in it unless it's like a really powerful episode that like stands out among itself but like all the netflix marvel shows except for the first couple episodes and the last couple of episodes of each season every episode ever like the long stretches of nothing really happening mm-hmm. like The Netflix Marvel shows could be 8 to 10 episodes.
0: Let's talk a little bit about that. So one of my least favorite things about, like, the binge model and, like, the rise of this sort of bingeable prestige TV is the fact that the showrunners are treating TV as movies. Yeah. And I think that television is a different medium than film and should be treated as such. One of my favorite things about... um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of my favorite shows, and a serialized TV show is its episodic format. And I think that TV shows are stronger when they have specific episodes that really stand out from the crowd. Like some of my favorite Buffy episodes are standalone episodes. And um, recent shows that do that well are Master of None, which is a prestige TV show in a way. It's a prestige comedy. And um, it has like a long narrative, but it is very episodic and you can pick out an episode and be like, this was the best episode. This was a great chapter. Right. And I think that like, you know, you don't need to have like an eight, a 10 hour movie. You can have, you can structure TV like books, which are structured by chapter by chapter,
2: which is why I liked stranger things because they Mm -hmm. actually chat. They title their episodes, chapter Chapter one, chapter one, chapter two. And, you know, stranger
1: things all bled together for me though. I think, I think it does. I think think it
2: it it was not super standout ish of each, like each episode wasn't but like i think because it was only eight, eight episodes there's not a, it was like a, a very much a contained plot mm-hmm. um and you really didn't it wasn't almost meant to be episodic
1: yeah even another re- it's almost another two, example it's
2: like two two-hour movies yeah. i thought
1: you hated yeah. that term
2: well <laughs> for that it's only two it's only eight episodes
1: Sure, but like, okay, but look at something like American Gods, which was only eight episodes, and each episode was so individual mm -hmm. while driving the storyline of Shadow and the new gods and the old gods. Mm -hmm. This is a little bit of a spoiler for my really like, but like, you look at something like American Gods, and it perfected an episodic, but arced season, and that was only eight episodes. That's true. I agree with that. Um, Maybe
2: it was because I binged it all at once.
1: Especially
0: like the, um, the, oh, I forgot her name. Uh, Laura? Laura's episode. Laura's episode was so good. Well,
1: Laura's episode was so good, and so was Mad Sweeney's, mm-hmm. which also had Emily Browning. Yep,
0: exactly. O- other shows that do it well Breaking Bad, which is one of the first, one of the most prominent early, like, prestige TV uh, shows, was very tight, tight um, very narrative. Um, it was basically like a five-act Shakespearean drama in a way. Um, but it had such great standalone episodes, like The Fly, for example. Which is
2: directed by Ryan Johnson, mm-hmm. upcoming director of The Last Jedi. Oh,
0: oh, that's true. I yeah. forgot about and that. And
2: he did Mendias. Mm-hmm. the second to last episode.
0: Yeah. Um, Lost, for example. Not exactly prestige television, but also kind of on the, the, uh, the beginning it, of it. It began...
2: It was this weird in-between period of yeah. 2004 where... It was the first network TV show to really draw in a huge... Like, it was genre. Yeah. It was a genre show. It sh-
0: was a genre show and really embraced serialized storytelling and was kind of prestigious at the beginning because it was very focused on the characters versus, like, the sci-fi element. And it got Emmys and stuff. Yeah, it did. Um, so, yeah, and, like, uh, comedies, actually, I think, are the ones that are really embracing that episodic format. So Master of None, Atlanta. Oh, yeah, Atlanta's great. mm mm-hmm. Um So... I really like... I think that even though television and prestige television in a way is is becoming more cinematic and is imitating movies, I still think that they should stand out from... They're a separate medium, so they should separate themselves from movies. And
2: I think they can film themselves like a movie because, mm-hmm. like, to, you know, a, a lot of times now, you know, TV shows have the camera quality of movies or the graphics or, the, you know, the they have, like... It's not, like, they're, the the production quality of television shows have gone up, mm-hmm. like, dramatically. And Mad Men is a part of that. Breaking Bad is a part of it. Like, where TV shows now look like movies, but they shouldn't be written like movies. Exactly. They should be written like TV shows. But with the production quality of movies. Yeah. Which is why I really like, like, the AMC, the early AMC shows.
0: Yes. So, what I'm saying is, I'm not about that 10-hour movie life. I'm fine with beginning middle and end and a strong narrative arc but i want my episodes to have to be episodes did you guys hear about well, the time that it,
2: uh game of thrones showrunners called it an 80 hour movie <laughs>
0: <No> <laughs>
1: worse. but it also sounds like it also sounds like you want both and i think that's the problem with tv is that tvs hear me out tv shows should be 10 hour movies but they should also be 10 individual episodes contained within a 10-hour movie. Like, the thing is, TV shows should have arcs. They should have, like you're saying, a beginning, middle, end, which is what a movie has. Mm -hmm. So, I think they actually should be 10-hour movies with 10 individual components that make up this larger arc, which, when all watched together, is a cohesive narrative. So they actually should be both. We're not talking about just, like,
2: episodes that have no end. Like, TV shows have gone from being written as shows that can go on forever like Law and Order to having like a definitive ending.
0: Yeah. I agree with you to an extent, Anya. I just don't like that people use the excuse or showrunners use the excuse of it's a 10-hour movie to make an incredibly boring start to a TV show and have yes. the action not pick up until like a third of the way of the movie and you yeah. have to wait until it gets good, for example. And I don't want to wait when there's just so much TV out there.
1: Yes, I want I to know- yeah, I completely agree with that. Exactly.
2: Yeah, so like yeah. when people tell me, oh, you should watch this show, it gets good by episode eight of the first season of like 16 episodes. I'm like,
0: mm-hmm. no. I do want to say though, to be fair, a lot of TV before, you know, peak TV and prestige TV, didn't get good until later on. But it's not they weren't like leaning on the excuse of it's a ten hour movie. Right. They were just
2: learning on they were just it was, learning how to it was just make a, their show.
0: Yeah, it was just a result of the process of TV making in which you're just writing as you're going. And then you finally find your characters and you find your flow. Parks and recreation, Buffy Vampire Slayer. The office even. The office. hmm So not everything comes out fully formed, but I still like that about TV, that it's just so it's so quick and so, like, in line it, with the culture of the moment and the fans of the moment. Yeah,
2: and if there's an episode you don't like, you can just move on.
0: hmm
2: Whereas with a movie, if you don't like the movie, then it's like, oh, shit, I'm stuck in here for another two hours. Or you can just leave. <laughs> you, you could, if you, but you, that's, there goes $12. <laughs>
0: that's true. So, do we want to discuss whether we're seeing the end of the golden age of TV?
2: I think it's hard to tell because, mm-hmm. like, TV shows every year come, come around and there's a brand new show. Like, last year or two years ago, we didn't have Atlanta and now we do. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's shows keep, coming, keep cropping up. Although from the TCA's, I didn't hear anything about, like, brand new shows that you should watch. Yeah. Like, there really wasn't anything. If anything, there's a show you shouldn't watch coming up called Confederate.
1: Yes. <laughs> also, that new Big Bang Theory spinoff. Oh, God. Young that's Sheldon. That's the only show
2: I remember that is coming out this year. Young Sheldon. Young Sheldon, and I hate. Please, no a, one watch that's it. That's the only show I, re- I know that's coming out this fall, and I
1: hate myself for only for knowing that only show because I do not. What's a shame? Watch it. What's a shame is that the actor who's playing Sheldon is that is really good. He was great in Big Little Lies, mm. which, by the way, should sweep limited series at the Emmys. And please give Feud nothing. That's just my PSA to Emmy voters. Award Feud, Feud was food, a hot nothing. mess. Feud was Feud a hot mess. Was uh, uh just a mess. Oh, just the a Emmy, terrible mess. The, only, the Emmys are only like a month or so away, guys. True. But, like, the kid who's playing in Children is really good, and he was great in Big Little Lies, which was a great limited series. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, why are you doing this? This is terrible. But, yeah, I think Willoughby's right. I don't know if you can say it's the end of the golden age of television. I also wonder if the golden age of television already ended, like, I feel like that was the Breaking Bad Mad Men time, not right. now. Like, now we're just, like, overstuffed. Maybe we're, like, the but Silver Age. But it's not age. the Golden it's Age. The Sil-
2: Wait, that's perfect. We're in the Silver Age, because yeah. it's not the best. We're not watching the embodiment of it. We're watching the 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 evolution of it.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, like, good and bad, because as we have more of an emphasis on serialized television, we're getting more... Diverse directors and showrunners and storylines. So, we're getting a lot more diverse shows. Although, Anya was saying before that we're seeing a lot of those cancelled, I still think that there is definitely more now than there were before. Yeah, like really I like setting. what
2: ABC's doing. Yeah. They have a, like all their sitcoms are very diverse.
0: A- Ava DuVernay's show, Queen Sugar, which she always uh, makes sure is every episode is directed by a woman or a woman of color. Um, so, it's like. Dear White People was a really good TV show.
1: Dear White People was good. But see, that's the problem, I think, is that, like, you do have these shows and you have more diversity, but with so much going on, what are the shows that actually get paid attention to? Like, you just said Dear White People's a good show. How many people watch that show? I don't know. How many people know that show's on Netflix, but they're just like, meh, I'll just watch, like, this Marvel thing? Like, not that the Marvel shows aren't good, but, like...
2: Also, Netflix we doesn't have really more, advertise their stuff very well. We
1: have more diversity, but, like, is anyone actually really paying attention to it? Except now we're just awarding the same white male shows that we always have. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we have more diversity, but nothing's actually really changing with it, and they're the first ones to get canceled. I think Damn with the Emmys.
0: I think we're in the midst of a I changing mean, yeah. landscape, of a shifting landscape, mm-hmm. because, you know, there are more options, but there are also too many options, which is the problem with peak TV, Yes. Um, people can find their niche and t- TVs have their demographics. Um, TV shows have their demographics, so they will watch, people will watch what they want to watch, um, but not, not necessarily um, be exposed to other types of TV shows that are out there that are doing really well. Uh, so it's harder for good, great shows good or good shows to stand out from the crowd just because there's just an oversaturation of good to okay shows. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's a... It's a weird time.
2: It's a transitional time, which I feel like mm-hmm. we've been saying since 2010, but that is the case.
0: Yeah. Maybe it's... Yeah, I think maybe it's a Silver Age, because we're getting more content, we're getting more shows every year from Amazon, from Netflix, from And they're wackier. Series. They're wackier. They're trying different things, but not necessarily everyone is watching them. Like,
2: I've heard really great things about this sci-fi show called The Expanse.
0: I've heard good... I've, I've heard, heard of it's
2: it. Very, I've heard it's very diverse, and it's very... It's got interesting storytelling and it's it's set in space in the future and like part of it's like a noir story Mm. so uh but it's on sci-fi and it i need to watch it
0: yeah i think it also goes to show that there isn't as much hype around every netflix series anymore like before when they they were releasing house of Cards and orange is the new black every netflix series yeah every netflix series had like a lot of hype and publicity around it and buzz and they're all good and now we're just getting a, some good ones and some just ones that disappear yeah into like, the like ether it, like netflix
2: now has their own category on netflix called netflix originals and they're all scroll through that and be like i don't even remember the show being announced yeah like suddenly like suddenly like all these shows like april had a sh- had a ton of shows released like every friday mm-hmm. and they I think it was also because, like, those last three months, April, May, like, March, April, May, they released so many because May 31st was the deadline for the Emmys. Which is why House of Cards premiered on a Tuesday this year. And why
1: Game of Thrones isn't eligible for the Emmys! Woohoo! None for Game of Thrones. Bye forever.
2: (laughs) But, yeah. And, like, that show's ending soon. Game of Thrones is going to end after season eight. Probably not till like late 2019 because they
1: just keep extending that stuff.
2: Walking Dead, I have no fucking clue when that show's going
1: to end. I, I honestly I think. I think I, luckily, I think everyone's agreed that The Walking Dead is no longer good. Good. Yeah. It like, the first season, it verged on prestige TV,
0: but then after that, it just descended into a, it's like,
2: we're taking zombies it's seriously like now. Trashy,
1: trashy nothingness now.
0: Yeah.
2: And I think when. It
1: almost but, feels like TV can't have fun anymore. Yeah. It's true. Or like I feel like you're
2: not regarded as good. Or exactly, exactly. There's
1: something. There's something about. It's similar to like blockbusters or comedies in the cinema landscape. If you like occupy a certain genre or you're on like a network or certain things, you can't be considered prestige, or you're just considered not as good, and it's really frustrating because you look at something like. I mean, the good place is certainly getting kind of prestige e attention, comedy, yeah. um, but like you look at something like Brooklyn Nine Nine, which is one of the best shows on TV right now, and it got you a know, gold like, really. they
0: got a Golden Globe for the first season, which, which
2: is and, what Andy's, made me want to watch it. Andy Samberg got a Best Actor mm-hmm. for comedy, and then that's the only award
1: they've really gotten. Yeah. I also feel like Golden Globe is a weird. Golden Globe always gives awards to things that are not as. I think it helps that they're international. Yeah. And the fact that they don't always award kind of the prestige is kind of like why the night manager won so many Golden Globes. <laughs> uh, excuse me, which is great because the night manager was incredible. Okay, like,
0: Anya. <laughs> we,
2: we believe you, Anya.
0: Yeah, I just like, I remember the night manager winning all those awards. I'm like, what the hell is the night I manager? Like, I was like, is he a hotel manager? <laughs> is that the one where like Tom Hiddleston isn't that hotel It's so good. It you it's,
1: What's happening yeah. here? It's so good. I don't know if Tom Hiddleston deserved his Golden Globe, but everyone else certainly did. It was incredible. But, like, that the Golden Globes award different things than, like, the Emmys do. Mm. But, like, I just... It's really frustrating because shows just are automatically not as good because they're a genre show or because they're this, and... Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, like, um...
0: What else is... Jane the Virgin. A lot of CW shows. Yeah, all the CW shows, which are which, great
1: again, TV. have won Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But That's not true. Emmys. Both Rachel, um... Bloom Mm -hmm. and Gina Rodriguez have won Golden Globes, right? Mm -hmm. But like not Emmys because it's like Andre Brower deserves five million awards for his role of Captain Holt on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh yeah, he 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 deserves an Emmy.
2: He deserves an Emmy for every line reading of the past like four years.
1: I mean Amy Poehler should. Yeah, like Uh, the fact that Amy Poehler never won an Emmy is a crime. Yeah,
0: Parks and Rec. But like
1: because Parks and Rec was on NBC and not HBO like Veep. Therefore, Parks and Rec is not as good or not as prestigious. Not that Veep isn't great. Not that Julia Louis-Dreyfus isn't fantastic and deserves awards. But, like, it's really frustrating that things can automatically be considered prestige. That's true.
0: By Parks, the
2: network they're on.
1: Parks and Rec and, and Veep
0: have a very similar brand of comedy and are yeah. very, like, low, and level of quality, too.
1: So. But because Veep, you can curse, and it's on HBO...
2: Mm-hmm. And they're horrible people. Now,
1: Everybody on Beef is a terrible better.
2: person, except yeah. for which Yeah, Richard and it's Splatt. a great
1: show. Yeah, like it's a great show. It deserves awards, but like, year after year after year because yeah. shows that our networks are automatically not as good.
2: Yeah, although it's interesting that this is us is getting has a lot of Emmy nominations this year. True, and they're like they're break they're they were the breakout network show, I think. because mm-hmm. um, like now with Emmys, a lot of the 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 awards are dominated by cable and streaming. Now, mm-hmm. Networks themselves don't really yeah. get a lot of of the a piece of
1: the action. That's very true. Uh, Man, I didn't realize how fired up I was about this until we started talking. <laughs> this is very frustrating.
0: It is. And you know what? The Emmys also need to be revamped, for, like the Academy is. Um, so the Academy recently... Uh, inducted a bunch of new members that were very diverse, people of color, uh, women, and um, you know, they're in, in an effort to combat the Oscars so white and um, white old men.
2: And it's funny because we usually, with when we talk about the Oscars so white issue, we usually bring up TV as something to be regarded as more progressive. Mm-hmm. And now, but we with this discussion, I think it's clear that there's still a long way to go.
0: There's still a ways to go. Emmys can do with some uh, revamping. Yep. A reboot, and, and you lo- might say. Ah! A revival. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that will wrap up our discussion on peak TV, prestige TV, a little bit of uh, revival TV in there. Um, Ooh, the dawning of the Silver
2: Age. The dawning of the Silver Age
0: of <laughs> uh, Let us move on to the last segment of our episode. I really,
1: really, 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 really like you. Can I go first? You can go first, Go first, first, Anya! So, I... My really like is actually very appropriate to our episode, which is why I wanted to, like, go first, because it really ties in. Yay! Um, And I hinted at it earlier. Um, So my really like is, as it has been the entire year, is the Star Series American Gods, because I've... I've uh, been going back and rewatching some of season one already, um, because I can't stop. Um, because it's my favorite TV show of the entire year. Nothing has stopped it yet, and it won't. It's my favorite thing all year. And I realized something. What did you realize, Anya? So when it was announced and it was being made, and like I was so excited for it, I was like, "Man, it's going to take the world by storm." everyone's gonna watch it everyone's gonna know about it it's gonna become so popular and like so critically acclaimed and it's gonna get all these emmy nominations and i was pumped and i was sure this was gonna happen yeah i was like it's gonna air and it's all people are gonna talk about yeah and then that did not happen
2: that did not happen at all <laughs> at all None of that happened. and
1: i am like so upset about <laughs> people it were because... th-
2: people didn't think it was gonna get a season two
1: it got a season two really early on
2: that's true but like when it, the, like the lead up people were like whoa this isn't looking good
1: and it's incredible it's my favorite thing i've watched all year i am also predisposed to be biased but you know and like it's absurd to me that someone like shannon purser can get an emmy nomination for stranger things instead of jillian anderson
0: yeah that was a weird that nomination was weird. that was
1: a little bit too, like and like, for those of you don't, don't know that was, that was barb yeah
0: a little yeah. meme come to life right
1: there. It was. It yeah. was. You can't tell me that she deserves an Emmy nomination more than Julianne Anderson. She was great, That's but absurd. I don't think she was
2: Emmy worthy.
1: She was barely in the show. She was in it yeah. for like ten minutes. Like I liked, I
2: liked her character. Yeah.
1: She was there to go, Nancy, don't. Yeah. And then die. Oh. I'm just very upset because American Gods was supposed to be this big thing that like swept everyone and like became just this like revolution. And it didn't. Okay. And I'm just very sad about it because I love it so much and I think it's so good and Brian Fuller deserves nice things and so does everyone on that show. So I'm really liking it still and I've been rewatching it and I'm just sad no one else seems to like it as much. I'm sorry, Anya. I like it. So that's my sad really life. <laughs> it's bittersweet. I
0: liked it, and at least it has a season two.
2: It has a season two, and they're going to get to the the places, the American places, the gods and stuff. <laughs>
0: <What>? <laughs> I don't want
2: to spoil anything.
0: <laughs> the Americans and the gods.
1: <laughs> yes, so I'm just, i like, speaking of diversity, it's a really great, diverse show, and really wonderful, and man, I'm very bitter at the Emmys, can you tell?
2: No, I didn't know. You hate the Emmys? I didn't know. <laughs>
0: All right, Um, Willoughby. What is your really like this week? Um. So, have you guys ever heard of my brother, my brother, and me? I have not. Yes.
2: Okay, so Anya has. It's a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network with these three brothers, and they they give advice, but it's a hilarious show. Like their advice should not be taken. Like it's not, it's funny advice. It's not like true to life advice. But like real people like send in questions, and they they'll just be like, let's let's figure this out, and they go on tangents and they go on like funny rants and stuff, and it's like, it's hilarious. And I've been listening to them since the beginning of June. I, I went back and like binged, listened to all their episodes from, like, November onwards um, and caught, caught up with them. And then I found out that they do a couple of different spinoff podcasts with other people, but with them and their dad, the three of them, they do this D&D uh, podcast called The Adventure Zone, and it's basically them playing Dungeons and Dragons and they record it. Uh, and it's just, like, from what I can tell, it's, like, 68 episodes, and I've only listened to, like, 24 of them so far. And so, like, it's, like, this... Like one long Adventure Zone campaign, like Dungeons and Dragons campaign. So I've been listening to them, and then I found out that they had a CISO television show for of six episodes, and I got a yep. free trial to CISO, and watched those over the weekend. So I've been really invested into My Brother, My Brother and Me, like pantheon of television shows. So I really like it. It's 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 a great. It's like super funny. Like I have to stifle my laughter while I'm at work because I'm just laughing too much. Cool. So it's, it, it brings me great joy all the time. I highly recommend it.
0: So I've had less occasion to listen to podcasts now, and it, the, the reason is kind of a big life news reason. Um, I don't think I've announced this on the podcast yet, but I recently left my day job at the Washington Examiner, which is a conservative political news magazine in D.C., which is not in line with my own views, um, to work full-time at Slash Film. And um, because of that, I don't have a commute going into work anymore. I work remotely. So now, fewer podcasts for me. But we'll see. Maybe I'll listen to more. Yeah, that's how
1: I am HD. Now that I'm working from home, I am not listening to podcasts as much. Yeah. Meanwhile,
2: I am I have a 40-minute commute both ways, and I have eight hours to fill <laughs> <laughs> with the void. I don't want to listen to my own thoughts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love my own thoughts. Um, but, yeah, so that's some big life news that... I left the Examiner two weeks ago, and I've been working remotely from home for Slash Film and doing more work for them. And
2: your first day of work at at Just at Slash Film was Anya's first day at work at the Gay Star News, right?
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. So we're working from home buddies, which is exciting. We are. Um, So only two weeks after I started working uh, full-time for Slash Film, I got my first big kind of gig. I got sent to San Francisco... To the Pixar headquarters to go to a press junket for Coco, their new film. I can't reveal much about what actually uh, took place there, <laughs> but it's been,
2: it's been embargoed. It's been embargoed as the as the but, as in the business they yeah. say.
0: But it was it was so fun. It was basically just like a summer camp for journalists uh, where they you know. They didn't really give us a tour, but we got to take a bunch of selfies in front of, you know, Luxo Jr., which they have in front of their building and um, in front of this Lego uh, sculpture of uh, Buzz and Woody from Toy Story and the Incredibles, which were not in Lego, but they're just like a little sculpture. And there's Bing Bong in there at one point. Bing Bong! I know, I cried when I saw him. And he had his little wagon, too. Oh, no! <laughs> and um they had uh, this like, big little glass big glass case uh, right at the entrance of all their awards you know their oscars i don't think it was all their awards though because i'm pretty sure they had more but um that was the closest i've ever been to an oscar which is really exciting how uh, big is it it is like a college campus so we were no all... i met
2: the oscar oh the oscar <laughs> <laughs> the oscar is
0: like it's... like a foot yeah it's like a foot tall oh, okay. it's, it's you know it's not huge it's right because like, they yeah. I guess they hold it up yeah hold it yeah so <laughs> it was really exciting I didn't get to touch it I just like looked at it, it through like the glass, glass yeah yeah but it was really exciting so it was a wonderful experience I was only there for two days but you know Disney threw me over and all the other journalists over um they uh, covered our lodging our hotel which I got a hundred dollars in like incentives for them just to spend there but since we we're only there at night I only spent it on like beer where I drank in my room and watched Sweet Home Alabama, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. We did, like, saw a little bit of the the movie, not the full thing, um, and we, you know. Enough to ask questions. Enough to it. ask questions, yeah. I, I talked to the directors, um, some of the animators, and uh, yeah, it was a fun time.
2: And I guess we'll, we'll be looking forward to your Slash Film articles. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Coco looks great. I'm quite excited for it. Cool. But. Uh yeah, and that was my first big like set visit thing, so I'm hoping it'll be the first of many now that I'm you know diving full time into becoming a movie journalist slash blogger. That's so More cool. Of a blogger, yeah So mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah. And thank you Slash Film for allowing me to go on this and visit. Disney. And Disney, of course. Hashtag thank Disney. T G I D. Thank yeah. God it's Disney. Soon <laughs> I'll be a hack selling out my soul to all the corporations
1: for free booze. And free food. Disney's the only one that matters. Of course. All right. Well, I think that's a good way to wrap the episode. Um, If anyone has any thoughts on Prestige or Peak TV or the upcoming movie Coco or Pixar, um, the podcast My Brother, My Brother and Me, or American Gods, please have thoughts on American Gods. Please love it. Um, Come chat with us and where can they do that Willoughby?
2: you can find us on facebook if you search for us there we're also on twitter at falcon podcast our sound we're on soundcloud uh our blog is millennial and you can uh rate review and subscribe to us on itunes and google play <sighs> where can they find you guys on the internet
1: you can find me at h Shenbui on twitter you can find me at Anya crinton on twitter and you can find me at willoughby dobbs on twitter <laughs>
0: Alright, thanks for joining us guys. Bye! Bye. Bye.